0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right, good morning, good morning, Fusion Church family, 6 a.m. soap. How y'all feeling today? All right. This morning we are in Deuteronomy nine, um, children of Israel getting ready to to enter into the Promised Land, getting ready to cross over. Um, so really, really good chapter. Hey, we are just over a week and a week in like two days from Freedom Conference. Who is excited for Freedom Conference coming up? It is coming it's it's going to come so quickly guys. So I want to encourage everyone if you are a participant of the Freedom Conference, if you are a volunteer of the Freedom Conference, stay prayed up brothers and sisters. Just keep your focus on what God is getting ready to do at the conference, all right? And if you're not part of the Freedom Conference in any way, be praying for everyone else who is, right? And if you've never been through Freedom the next time we have signups for freedom, make sure you are signing up. You do not want to miss this amazing event where where God is just continually working on us and molding us and forming us into, into what he wants us to be, how he designed us to be. So um, be praying for that, guys. All right. So Deuteronomy 9, I'm going to pray and um, get right into it. Heavenly Father, we, we we love you and we just praise you, Lord, for this opportunity as we do every morning to, to get up and, and begin our day, uh fellowship fellowshipping with our brothers and sisters, but ultimately fellowshipping with you, Lord, and learning more from your word and, and more about how you want to be in relationship with us, how you've always been there, Lord. And so, Father, we just praise you for this, Father, and we just thank you. Be with us during this time, Lord. I pray that. It'll be uh, your words that are heard and not mine that I would fade to the background, Lord, and ultimately you would reveal new things to each and every one of us. Father, we praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Deuteronomy 9, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Here, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go in to dispossess the nations greater and mightier than yourself cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakim, whom you know and of whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said to you. Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out, before you saying because of my righteousness the lord has brought me in to possess this land but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the lord is driving them out from before you it is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go into possess the land but because of the wickedness of these nations that the lord your god drives them out before you and that he may fulfill the word which the lord swore to your forefathers to abraham isaac and jacob Therefore, understand that the Lord, your God, is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. Remember, do not forget how you provoke the Lord, your God, to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Also in horror you provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry enough with you to have destroyed you. When I went up into the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. And the Lord delivered to me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God, and on them were all the words which the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. The Lord said to me, Arise, go down quickly from here, for your people whom you brought out of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded molded image. Furthermore, the Lord spoke to me, saying, I have seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. Let me alone, that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mountain. And the mountain burned with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God, had made for yourself a molded calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. Then I took the two tablets and threw them out of my hands and broke them from before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord, and that the first 40 days and 40 nights I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure with, with which the Lord was angry with you, to destroy you. But the Lord listed to me at that time also. And the Lord was, was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron also at the time. Then I took your sin The calf which you had made and burned it with fire and crushed it and ground it very small until it was as fine as dust. And I threw its dust into the brook that descended from the mountain. Also at Tibera and Massa and Kabaroth Hataba, you provoked the Lord with wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Benea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you did not believe him nor obey his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Thus I prostrated myself before the Lord. Forty days and forty nights I kept prostrating myself, because the Lord has said he would destroy you. Therefore I prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord God, do not destroy your people and your inheritance, whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not look on the stubbornness of this people, or on their wickedness or their sin, that the land from which you brought us should say because the lord was not able to bring them to the land which he promised them and because he hated them he has brought them out to kill them in the wilderness yet they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out by your mighty power and by your outstretched arm amen amen all right so here we are the children of israel getting ready to cross over into the promised land and and moses is speaking to them and he's really reminding them, you know, uh, in this short chapter, of the things that they have, that have been going on since they left Egypt, their sin, their rebellion, um, the molding of of the golden calf that they were worshiping. But Moses says in verse one, "Go into dispossessed nations, greater and mightier than yourself." God here was leading Israel into something that was too big for them and it was a challenge they could only meet if they trusted in God the cities they would battle against were, were were indeed mighty cities and the people that they would battle against were great and tall yet God called them to enter into this uh, these this uh, seemingly impossible battles there was listen, there was no way that Israel could do this Um, in the flesh there's no way they could do this in with their their own strength god commanded them to to do something that was just beyond their ability to do in themselves you know last week we talked about the other nations that they were to conquer that israel um could have conquered easily you know and and god said don't touch them they're my people you know the 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 descendants of esau and the, the descendants of lot we talked about that you know but now Israel's been facing nations that were mightier and stronger than them. All right, nations. So the children of Israel, they really only became an army during those forty years in the wilderness. You know, prior to that, they were slaves in Egypt. So you have this this new army, right? And yes, there was there's thousands and thousands of people in the army, but they weren't battle tested really. They've had a few battles, you know, and and God had delivered, you know, you know certain uh, nations into their hand. But now we had other nations in Canaan who had been around for hundreds of years, you know, and they were mighty, they were strong, you know. They had the to tall, to tall um, cities with tall towers, right? But obviously, God did not inspire Israel with, with like a a fake sense of confidence or God wasn't like hyping them up, you know, you know, like in a football game and you, you know, you're coming up against impossible odds in a football game and you see the players hyping themselves up, you know, jumping up and down, you know, giving, giving some speeches and, and whatnot. He wasn't just hyping them up. Like God was going to go before them, but they had to trust that God was indeed going to go before them. You know, he wanted them to, to 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 really, really know that the what the battles were going to be like. You know, he didn't want them to go into in, in with a false uh, a sense of false confidence. He wanted to let them know, like, you are going to go and and take the land. Matthew 16, 24 says, "Anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me." Jesus let us know right before, right from the beginning. That following him would require giving God everything. Israel had to give God everything. Everything. All their worship, all their praise, all their devotion. And then he would go before them. Verse three says, understand today, just as much as Israel had to understand the the impossibility of the battle um, on their own, they must also understand the certainty of victory in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we may be going through something, and it seems impossible. You may have a battle in front of you that seems like there's no way that you can overcome this thing. And on your own, with your own strength, you cannot do it. But God is telling you that you have the certainty, if you put him as number one in your life, you will be victorious and nine times out of 10, the victory is going to come in, a, come in a way that you never expected. And so any victory you may have had on your own strength is, is going to pale in comparison to what victory looks like when God goes before you. These battles, they, they, again, they're were, they were, they were going to be too big for Israel, but they're not too big for the Lord. See, Israel could know both facts, that in themselves, this job was impossible right by themselves they couldn't do it uh john chapter 15 verse 5 says without me you can do nothing jesus says without me you can do nothing but they could but israel could also know that that with god with god they could overcome philippians 4 13 says i can do all things through christ who strengthens me God was also calling Israel to, to, to a partnership in winning the battles. He will destroy them does not contradict um, Moses also saying, you shall quickly drive them out and destroy them quickly. Was God going to do it or was Israel going to do it? Well, really both. They're both going to do it. But, you know, God was calling Israel to, to be as 2 Corinthians 6.1 says, workers together with him. Listen, we serve a powerful God. And God could, you know, with a word, drive out your enemies before you. But God is continually calling us into partnership with him. God is not a genie. Just because we pray for something doesn't mean that God's just going to snap his fingers and make it happen. You know, God calls, calls you into a ministry. God calls you into a new job. God calls you to, to do, do whatever it is. You know, God wants to call is calling you to start a, a business, right? And God could just drop a business in your lap. It's possible. But most times God wants you to do your part. Maybe before you get that business, God's calling you to get a business degree. Maybe God's, you know, maybe you need to get a, a certain certification. You need to get some experience somewhere, right? You know, we need to follow. God's plan. And it does not always make sense, right? But with God going before us, it makes even more sense. Amen. Destroy them quickly. It says God did not want Israel to show mercy to the Canaanites. He wanted Israel to be to be a, a unique army of judgment against Canaanite culture. Canaanite culture was, was so deprived that it deserved this kind of judgment of being destroyed completely, right? We've, we've, we've covered chapters where, you know, God says, destroy everyone, the men, the women, and the children, right? Because he wanted this depraved cultures uh, destroyed completely. God did not want anything to last from these, from the, 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 this, these sick cultures that were all over Canaan. right according to um, archaeological uh, archaeologists, the primary focus of Canaanite religion was sex. Idols that have been discovered in the land um uh, they they, they have found hundreds and hundreds of nude female forms and sexually um, suggestive forms right you know nude images of women and and as well as male idols, male images and in and, in and, 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 Um, homosexual acts, right? This was a a depraved culture in Canaan, you know, and, and God wanted them to be destroyed completely, right? And we can, we can even go deeper. We can go, so, so if, if we have a a sex-craved culture, right, full of depravity, Right. And when we talk about sex, that's one of those things that that the capital C Church doesn't want doesn't always want to even even talk about. All right. God made sex. For husband and wife, period, point blank, end of statement. You may not like it. Well, I'm sorry. Pastor Jason is not here to make you feel good. Pastor Jason is here to tell you what the Bible says. Right. For man and woman, husband and wife. Period. And the enemy has done so much to twist what God intended for us, for those of us within marriage. Right? He has he has he has he has he has corrupted it, right? And this nation of Canaan, this ancient distinctions, they had um allowed the enemy to just just fill their culture with depravity. And God was saying, no, no, no. No, you have twisted my original design, right? And we look at our culture today, just turn on the TV and you see how the enemy has twisted the the divine design of God, twisted it. And again, you may not like this and I'm sorry, you know, but quite honestly, you know, when I'm speaking the truth or any one of us are speaking the truth from the Bible, right? Your feelings don't really matter. We see what's happening in our nation. We're seeing what's happening all around the world. Right. And don't you know that at some point the Lord will come back. He will come back. And if you read, and if you have read the book of revelation to any degree, you know, what's going to happen. And I'm gonna tell you right now, brothers and sisters. At some point on the uh, on this 6 a.m. soap, we're gonna get into the Book of Revelations, right? And we're gonna really see what God is going to do. Verse four says, "Do not think in your heart." Israel's Israel's temptation to pride did not come in something that 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 they would actually say, but because long before we say words of pride, it's gonna happen in our hearts, right? Th- therefore. Israel must not think in their heart that it was because of their own righteousness that the Lord's gonna give them the land, right? This is a preview of salvation by grace through faith in which we cannot think that it is our righteousness that has obtained salvation. Instead, it is the righteousness we have received in Jesus Christ. When we we receive any gift from God, we are tempted to take it and use it to glorify ourselves. That's why, if you're in any position of leadership within the church, if you're leading a connect group, you're part of a team or whatever, you know, it's easy, you know, to, for for us to get big heads. Like, look, 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 what I accomplished. This is mine. You know, I put this group together. You know, I got to speak before you know who whoever you know, and I got to preach the preach the word and what. Look, look what I did. Look what I right. It's real easy for our egos. To get in the way. Israel must not do this in regard to the gift of the promised land, and we must not do it in regard to any gift that the Lord would give us. Sayings and, and, and proverbs of, uh, of the ancient world re- would reflect man's desire to earn his own righteousness and earn his own justification before God. This idea is, is expressed in an, in an old Roman Catholic teaching that that dying men, dying men should pray, Lord, join my righteousness with Christ's righteousness. Right. Even even the Catholic Church, you know, the quote, quote, unquote, quote, unquote, Christians, you know, join my righteousness with, with Christ's righteousness. We don't we don't have any righteousness, brothers and sisters. Anything we have is a gift from God. As if, as if, you know, our righteousness joined with Christ's righteousness really accomplishes anything. Instead, we need to look to Christ's righteousness alone. It's only through Jesus Christ that we are saved, brothers and sisters. Only through Jesus. We can accomplish nothing, nothing. Look at the blessings on your life. God has blessed each and every one of us to some capacity. He's done, he's done things for every single person, whether you see it or not, whether you want to admit it or not. God has done everything for us. We have accomplished nothing, but it's only through him that we have anything. Verse 6 says, for you are a stiff-necked people. The idea is that Israel, like a like a rebellious domestic animal, would, would stiffen its neck against the yoke of God that God would put upon it. And they would not submit to God's direction in their life. Verse 7 says, remember, do not forget, God's purpose in reminding Israel of the rebellions against him was not to discourage them or, or to make them feel defeated. The purpose was so that they could recognize their own weakness and trust in him, right? He tells them, you guys did this, you guys did that, blah, blah, blah. It's just to let them know, like, you guys have rebelled against me over and over again, and I am still your God. I still love you. Right I, Yes, there's consequences you know, to your actions, but I'm still your God. It says, um, verse eight, in Horeb you provoked the Lord to wrath. This recalls the events of, of Mount Sinai when, when, when Israel was worshiping the golden calf when Moses was gone a long time up on Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord that were written by the finger of God. And God told Moses in verse, you know, in verse verse 14, he said, I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. God wanted to wipe them out. God was so full of anger and rage. He wanted to wipe out the children of Israel, right? And start all over again with Moses and, Moses and his family, right? So think about it. The children of Israel had, had been around, you know, they were 400 years in, in, in Egypt right and then however long it was from you know from abraham to to the time in, in in egypt and now 40 years in the wilderness and god was like god's like i'm willing to wait another few hundred thousand years right until your descendants moses come up to be the, the number that we have here millions of people he's like i'm willing to wait because brothers and sisters Time means nothing to God. God is eternal. He is the first and the last, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. Time means nothing, right? God was around since before there was even time to calculate, right? So he was willing to wait. That tells me if there's a promise on your life, if God has spoken to you and given you a promise, right, you still have to do your part. But if you do not do your part, God is willing to wait because all of his promises are yes and amen. And perhaps the promise he's placed on your life, if we're not doing what we're supposed to do, that promise will be fulfilled in your children's life, your grandchildren's life, your great-grandchildren's life, right? I don't know. That's why it's so important that we are doing our part. and it says in verse 17 i took the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. Moses took those tablets as he came down from mount sinai and he saw the depravity that was happening. Right? He saw the golden calf that they were worshipping. Right? And 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 if we do it, if we do more study on this, we know that the golden calf, you know, that image of a god was was also what the egyptians worshipped. Right? So because yahweh right jehovah the god of the israelites you know was silent for a little bit because he was working with moses and you know moses was up there fasting and praying on behalf of the children of israel right what did they do they went back to what they knew in egypt brothers and sisters it's because god is silent in your life just because it, it, it seems it's It seems to you that he's not speaking, that he's not doing, he's not working, he's not moving. Do not go back to your old life because that's comfortable, right? But God doesn't call us to be comfortable, brothers and sisters. Sometimes God needs you to wait a little bit. Sometimes it's in the silence that is when he's speaking the loudest. Sometimes it's in the, in the silence where he's like, "Is is, is my child going to really wait on me? Is are they? Is he? Is, are is she going to really wait and depend on me and wait for me to move, wait for me to to speak to her, speak to him?" For I was afraid. Verse nineteen. The Hebrew word here is a rare a rare word, um, which means exceedingly frightened. Or stricken with terror when he saw the sin of Israel, Moses knew of um, the holiness of God. Moses was very afraid for the sake of the people of Israel. And he says, and I prayed for Aaron also in verse 20. A- Aaron's sin, like he was, he he helped them create this idol, right? He helped them. And 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 Aaron's sin was so bad because essentially I, when Moses was up, up in the mountain, Aaron was in charge. And Aaron just succumbed to the to the will of the people right and his sin was so bad that he he really he would have been destroyed by the lord except moses prayed for him this this shows both the prevailing power of moses's prayers and the great love in the heart of moses that he was still praying for his brother still praying for the people so then moses he takes the idol and he burns it and he crushes it into a fine fine dust a fine powder and he puts it into the river right and then he makes the people drink um um, you know, so they're they're drinking like this 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 ash water, right? And he did it for three reasons, right? To show that this god, this golden calf, was nothing and could be destroyed completely. He did it in order to completely obliterate the idol. So no one can come back later on and get have a piece of it and begin to worship it, and then to make the people pay an immediate consequence. For their sin. Sometimes the consequences of our sin are, are they, they may take a while, and sometimes they're immediate, brothers and sisters. Verse 22 um, talks about Tibera. Um, the Tabera means burning. In Numbers 11, the people of Israel, they, they have first um, left Mount Sinai to head towards um, Kadesh Barnera, to head towards the promised land, and they immediately complain, immediately complained, right? It seems like while they were in the wilderness, all they did was complain. They're always complaining about something, and then God sent fires of judgment against them at this place because the burning of of the fires of judgment. That's why it's called Tibera. Everything in the Bible has a meaning, right? When people went, when, when they would come to a place, they would they would come to a thing. It's almost like whatever they experiences, they experience there. That's what they would name it. Um, it talks about Massa. Um, Exodus 17, 7 describes the, the meaning of a place called Massa, which means tempted because the Israel provoked the Lord by doubting his loving care and concern for them in the wilderness. Verse 23 that when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnera, Moses briefly remembered the rebellion at Kadesh Barnera when Israel doubted God's love for them and refused to enter the promised land, rebelling. Against the Lord, when when Moses sent the twelve spies into the Promised Land, and when they came back, right, and only Caleb and Joshua were like, "Let's go, let's go, come on, we can take this. The Lord's before us. He's already promised us this land, right?" And the ten other spies were like, eh, "Listen, listen, there's giants, there's this, yeah, there, yeah, there's you know, flowing milk and honey and all all that jazz. But let's 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 just chill out." And the entire assembly of Israel, millions of people, said. Let's listen to the 10 over the 2. It says, you did not believe him nor obey his voice. Israel's disobedience to God began with their unbelief. Their disobedience began with their unbelief. They did not believe that God loved them enough to give them the promised land. They didn't believe that he was mighty enough to bring them into the promised land. Verse 26, Moses says, therefore, I pray to the Lord. And this, this great prayer of uh, of intercession for Moses, we can read more about it in Exodus 32. But Moses asked for mercy upon Israel because of God's past faithfulness to them. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses asked for mercy upon the Lord because of God's past faithfulness to the patriarchs. Verse 28, lest the Lord from which you brought us us, we should say excuse me because the lord was not able moses asked for mercy upon israel because of concern for the glory of god's own name and his reputation among the nations in other words he was saying if if god if you wipe out this people who we have been saying for 40 years you know our god he's mighty our god can do right and then all of a sudden if you wipe them out What are the other nations going to say about you? And really, it wasn't Moses' job to be concerned with what other nations thought about God, right? But for Moses, it was like, you are my God. You are my everything. No one should ever be defiling your name. No one should ever be talking smack against my God, ever. God, if you do this, if you do not, or or, excuse me, if you do not save your people, if you do not deliver the land to your people, other nations are going to laugh at you. Other nations are going to mock you, and I can't abide by that. Verse 29, and we're going to begin to wrap up. He says, talks about your people, your inheritance, the ones that you brought out through your mighty power, through your outstretched arm. God, Mo, Moses asked for mercy upon Israel because they were God's people. Ultimately, they were God's people. God chose them. And we, can, we, we too can seek mercy and power of God through prayer, by, by praying with the same heart and by pleading with the same reasons before the Lord. Prayer on, on solid reasons like these is far more effective than merely casting wishes you know, up towards heaven. Because of God's past faithfulness to us, because of his, his his past faithfulness to our forefathers, you know, those of us who come from a lineage of belief in God, you know, what has God done for your parents? What do you do for your grandparents? What do you do for your great-grandparents? And even if you and if you are the first generation of believers, what has God done for you? Look on your life. Look how far God has brought you from because of his own glory and reputation among the nations and because we are his people if we pray with that on our hearts with that in our mind keeping these things in mind is also a way to refine our prayers brothers and sisters because when we pray when we pray only for things that are consistent with god's glory then we have our hearts set on the right things moses could have been like, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to do, do you, you know, you could start all over again, but God's, but excuse me, but Moses' prayer were consistent with God's glory, consistent with God's mercy, right? And it's not that God needed to be reminded, right? Because often we we read about prayers that, you know, d- different people in the Bible prayed, and then God moved. You know, or or, or when, we, when 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 someone prays and remember this, remember this, remember this. God doesn't need reminding. Some sometimes God wants to hear that to make sure that you remember where He brought you from. That you remember the promises. That you don't forget the sin, the hell, the pit of shame that you once found yourself in, and where He He reached out His hand and pulled you up. Don't forget the mercies of God. If you're in a dark place right now, brothers and sisters, if you're going through through some heartaches, through some trials and tribulations, it's tough and it's easy to get tunnel vision where all you see is the circumstance before you. All you see is the problem. All you see is the sickness. All you see is the death. That's all you see, right? But God's saying, take the blinders off, my child. Take them off. Look at everything around you. Because while there's chaos in front of you, All around you, I'm still moving, I'm still working, I'm still making a way where there seems to be no way. Right? Look at everything and don't do not forget what God has brought you through. That's one of the the, the greatest tactics of the enemy is to, to make you doubt, make you forget what God has done for you. And He will throw your circumstances right smack in front of your face. So that's all you see. And then he'll whisper in your your ear, like, where's God? How could God let this happen? Is there really a God? And start sowing those seeds of doubt, sowing those seeds of distrust. That's why it's so important that we're consistent every single day in the word, every day in prayer. The word says pray without ceasing, continually being in fellowship with Jesus Christ. So that he can give you that peace that surpasses understanding. Because if you don't have that peace that surpasses understanding, right, you're not looking to God. You're looking to your own strength to get through it. I'm going to tell you right now, every time we look to our own strength, right, we will fail. We will fall. So can, can, so brothers as sisters, as I close, keep looking to God. Allow him to be your strength. Allow him to go before you. And if we do that, in the end, it's going to be so much greater than if we ever tried to do it by ourselves. Amen? Oh, Father, we love you. We just thank you for your word that just can remind us that you are a God that saves. You are a God that restores. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will never lose sight of you and who you are, what you have done to us how you have saved us, how you've delivered us, Father, how you've removed the sin from our heart, Lord God, how you've removed the addictions that we that we sometimes suffer with, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters on this call. I pray for everyone listening later on this podcast that, that you would just be with them, Father. Remind them of your mercy. Remind them of your presence, Lord God, through whatever circumstance they're facing right now through whatever giant wall of Jericho that they're, they're looking at right now that seems through their own power is unable to be conquered, Lord. But Father, through you, through you and only through you, they're more than conquerors. So Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I praise your name, Lord God. Well, Father, we worship your name and we continue to give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love you all. And I will see you again next week. God bless.